everybody. I'm Tyler Suters with the Consumer Technology Association. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the world's largest, most influential tech event there is. We are here to help you get CES ready. The show is January 7th through the 10th, 2020 in Las Vegas, our home away from home. And today we're taking a deep dive into the world of drones, a major holiday gift idea and purchase for U.S. consumers several years ago, continues to grow not only in consumer popularity, but also in use cases for businesses and entrepreneurs and professionals around the country. And that's setting aside the use that emergency responders have for drones in finding people in need, rescuing those who are lost, and also even more everyday tasks like helping work crews who are charged with repairs and maintenance of high or dangerous structures, well, these drones can keep those people on the ground while the drones go hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air to do the job. Today, a deep dive conversation with, first of all, the new administrator of the Federal Aviation Administration. Very cool conversation. He is a former fighter pilot, so has a clear-cut view on the potential for drones but also has a pretty complicated responsibility in what is a rapidly changing U.S. airspace. Also, you may have seen some headlines around this, drone deliveries are now underway here in the U.S. Products getting to consumers faster and more efficiently than ever. It's a small location, but one of the public-private programs in that area of Virginia, where this is happening, is taking place around Virginia Tech, we are talking with the director of the program there, not only a pilot, also an aircraft mechanic. Today, a look at drones on CES Tech Talk. Joining us now, it is a pleasure to have Administrator Steve Dixon with us here, a true expert on aviation writ large. Administrator, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's great to be with you, Tyler. Thank you for uh, spending the time with us this morning. C certainly. Um, drones are getting more and more popular by the year. Uh, the ownership numbers we track are, are, are continuing to climb. That leaves a lot of first-time pilots out there, first-time users. Um, education is a big aspect regarding the drone sector, and a lot of that falls on FAA, correct? Absolutely. And uh, from experience in my family, uh, you know, I'd like to start out with uh, this is something that's very close to home to me. My son has his own videography business, huh. and uh, as soon as I was confirmed as administrator, he had his license renewed so he could have my signature at the bottom of it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and comply with federal law. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I've uh, learned a lot from him already. It's a, it's a part of aviation as a commercial pilot and as a mil former military pilot that uh, is new for me. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's a reflection of how, uh, how uh, exciting of a time this is uh, in our business. Uh, so... Basic rules, basic guidelines apply to everyone, whether you're a former pilot, a current licensed pilot, or you're simply opening a box uh, on the holidays that's been under the tree. Um, what are the guidelines you think are just paramount for everyone? Who's well, I, I think, uh, you know, to, to start with, uh, if you remember that, you know, if, uh, you know if, you're a, if you're a pilot or if you're a drone pilot, you're a pilot. You know, there are rules that, that, that you've got to follow, and our strategy here in the United States is to uh, integrate 
drones into the uh, into the aviation system not to segregate and in order to be able to do that we've got uh, rules that we've got to comply with and uh, we've got uh, the you know the certification rules that we've got to comply with as well and so it's very important to to know what the rules are uh, and to follow them and that's ultimately going to be beneficial for everyone because that's going to allow us to get to a truly mm -hmm. uh, integrated system. So with that in mind, what's the best resource for a newly christened pilot? And I, by that, I mean someone who is just opening the box on their first drone to find out what the rules are, not the rules that you should follow, but really the rules you must follow when you have a drone in the air in the United States. Well, it, uh, really, uh, for a first time uh, drone pilot, the first thing that you need to do is, uh, again, realize that you're now a pilot flying in the airspace with airplanes. And, and then right after that, make sure you register your drone with the FAA. Um, it's a quick online process. It costs only $5. You go to faa.gov slash UAS to register and learn the rules and tips for flying safely. There's a lot of information there. And drone pilots should also be aware of local and state laws about drone operations. So if we could, uh, Administrator, you mentioned earlier your experiences as a pilot. Um, what's your vision for both the drone integration, but also what, what needs to be done because you have a unique firsthand perspective as a pilot in the airspace and you know both the challenges and opportunities involved? Sure, it's a, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, as, as, you know we, as we say, you know, we want to integrate drones into, into the system, but it is, it is a, it's a challenge because we have a very safe and stable system in the United States. Uh, in fact, it's engineered to what we call 10 to the minus ninth safety risk, which means a one in a billion, uh, you know, chance mm -hmm. of, uh, of any kind of uh, accident or incident. So, uh, but if you, if you manage new entrants uh, this way, such as drones are, you don't have the kind of innovation and, uh, and the kind of progress that you really want to have. So we've got to be able to, as, as we work uh, towards the building blocks of being able to integrate uh, drones in the system, we've got to make sure that we're proceeding very methodically uh, along as we go. And so the FAA's got to be able as a regulator to stay ahead of the pace of change, but also take account of uh, the non-safety uh, interests such as privacy and security. A number of other federal, state, and local agencies have uh, a big interest in, in how we manage the airspace uh, in the United States. And, and that's our job, to make sure that we take all of, the, all of that into account as we're, uh, as we're developing the rules. So it may seem like things are not going as quickly as they need to be, but we're, we're trying to uh, develop a system that will work for, for all stakeholders. And, and if you can do it in the United States, you can do it anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And balancing safety and innovation at, at every step, certainly. You mentioned a methodical approach. Any surprises, anything that has caught you a bit, if not off guard, just uh, something that was unexpected? Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't say necessarily uh, any surprises, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we are making uh, a lot of progress. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, we call our airspace system the National Airspace System or the NAS, so I may use that nomenclature uh, here in our conversation. Mm -hmm. We're developing uh, and delivering new rules, so drones uh, can become regular participants in NASA operations rather than special uh, one-offs that require a waiver or an exemption. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really what we want to do is make it a normal part 
of our uh, national airspace ecosystem, if you will. The uh, UAS Integration Pilot Program, or IPP, was launched by Secretary Chow two years ago, and it's moving this integration process forward. The IPP uh, allows for nine state and local and tribal governments uh, across the U.S. to partner with industry to help us develop UAS regulations, policy, and guidance through some practical applications. Uh, perhaps more importantly, they become the match that's lighting a creative fire in the industry and the public for what this novel new form of transportation uh, might achieve. Um, also, the Unmanned Aircraft System Traffic uh, Management Pilot Program, or UPP, is making concrete progress towards full UAS integration. We launched that program about three years ago, and that helps us figure out how to do air traffic management for drones. If you think about air traffic controllers controlling uh, piloted airplanes, mm -hmm. whether for general aviation or military aircraft or commercial aircraft, the, uh, the UPP program is helping us how to do the same thing uh, with drones. And it's essentially a set of concepts and tools that we're developing with the industry to safely manage dense low altitude drone operations. It's, and it's not a, a specific equipment system. Uh, as we see with, uh, with uh, manned air traffic control, it'll be complementary uh, to the existing traffic management system. It won't replace it. Uh, and we're also working closely with NASA um, to do this work. NASA has been a, a valued partner over the years in terms of uh, being able to help us develop uh, new innovative approaches uh, to being able to solve uh, solving complex issues like this. So, Mr. Administrator, you mentioned the idea of, of, of use cases, right, both potential and actual. What has you excited about that? Uh, there's so many opportunities, whether it's um, you know, health and wellness, uh, disaster uh, recovery and mitigation. Um, where is your interest drawn? Well, there, 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 uh, it's interesting. There are use cases uh, throughout our economy and throughout our system. There are also some use cases that apply specifically to aviation that you might not uh, think about. Hmm. For example, an airline that has to do a lightning strike inspection on an airplane to get it back in service. Uh, so if you're flying around convective weather in the summertime, sometimes you have lightning strikes that, where you have to have a, uh, a maintenance technician get up on a lift mm -hmm. and look at an airplane, and it can take several hours to get the airplane inspected and repaired and get it back in service. With uh, the ability to be able to do this same kind of activity with a drone, even within the airport airspace, um, you know, within the hangar, uh, within the hangar area, uh, can cut down that uh, that time by several orders of magnitude and also uh, uh, is better for uh, workplace safety because we don't have to have people up on uh, you know um, on, a, on a high lift you know around the tail of an aircraft yeah. when they're when they're inspecting it mm -hmm. uh, some other examples we see in the construction industry uh, uh, cinema photography uh, my son has his own videography business um, he's using drones quite extensively um, pipeline inspection, agriculture, public safety, energy surveying, mapping, firefighting—you know—a whole whole bunch of uh, applications that are that are really exciting. Sure, I even think about the more day-to-day uh, -day aspects. Uh, you know, if you've seen a, a sweeping shot uh, in a movie by a drone, you remember it, right? That absolutely <laughs> that absolutely sticks with you. Absolutely. I mean, the uh, we were, uh, as we were going through the, uh, working with the Bahamian authorities after Dorian, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the initial 
assessment of what we were really seeing with the airports and the aviation infrastructure was accomplished through the use of, uh, of drone technology. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about your audiences, uh, Mr. Administrator, you have one side with, I'll call it traditional aviation, but your pilot community from which you come where it's, it's such a rigorous process, so much training goes, goes into it. And now with drones, you have a very consumer-centric audience. Um, is there a clear message or, or something that you, that you very much want to say to consumers to make sure they know before they take the skies? Well, I, th I think the most important point is if you're operating a drone, you are a pilot. Mm -hmm. So we look at you uh, from my perspective, and you should look at yourself as uh, going through the same rigor in terms of your uh, certification as a, uh, as a pilot of, uh, of an aircraft. And, uh, and so with that, you know, with that uh, categorization, if you will, that there's a lot of responsibility that mm -hmm. falls on the individual operator's uh, shoulders. Um, you know, the, the margin of safety that we have, we want to continue to be able to, to improve our margin of safety, and, and we want to be able to integrate drones within a very safe, stable system. That's got to be done very thoughtfully. And uh, so it is important that we're all aligned and, and, and that everyone understands that we are, as an agency, very heavily invested in the safety and success uh, of, of all pilots, including um, pilots of UAS. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, an uninformed recreational flyer in the wrong place at the wrong time could ruin everybody's day and really set us back. So we don't, we don't want to, we want to make sure that those kinds of things don't happen. Well, what about that first audience I mentioned, uh, your fellow pilots, so to speak, it seems like their temptations to go outside the rules, whether they know them or not, could have even greater consequences, right? When you're talking about safety operations. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think, and this goes for, uh, uh, pilots of, of manned aircraft and uh, and manned as well, but I think one of the most important uh, things to keep in mind is is to not interfere with emergency operations. Uh, and again, we saw this a little bit out in the Bahamas. There were a lot of folks who wanted to get out there and wanted to help with some of the uh, provisions and resupply operations, but. And there, so there were a lot of general aviation aircraft that were kind of in the way of C-17s and larger commercial aircraft that were trying to get in there and provide uh, assistance at scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, uh, if you see uh, uh, something like a helicopter uh, flying to fight a wildfire, you know, as an example that you might see in the um, in the drone community, that doesn't mean you can fly your drone. You're not you're not going to be helpful by uh, trying to get involved in that in that operation. Um, you may force emergency operations to stop, which could cost lives or delay uh, incident response. Um, it's also a good reminder uh, for us to check out NOTAMs. I mean, NOTAMs are a, a big, notices to airmen. You know, they're a big part of the, of, uh, the responsibility that any aviator has equally for drone pilots and for pilots of manned aircraft. And uh, that, that's kind of the, the daily rules of the road, you know, of, of where, the, where the threats are and the areas that we need to avoid or actions that we need to take to mitigate safety risk or the, or the opportunity to uh, maybe be where we're not supposed to be. So it's, it's important that we're following those rules uh, as well. And then finally, if we've got flight restrictions uh, for sporting events or special events, concerts at stadiums and other locations, mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, flying in those areas uh, inappropriately could result in severe fines and even cr- criminal prosecution if it's egregious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every college football or pro football game has, you know, 84 cameras already in place in, in and around a the stadium. They don't need need any help. Um, not to make light of that whatsoever, but if if the best thing that any pilot can do with the drone in those situations, Mr. Administrator, is knowing the rules and obeying them, um, a real onus then on Drone Safety Awareness Week coming up, right? A great way to get the, get that word out and explain to pilots current and future what they need to do and how they need to act. Absolutely. And uh, uh, thank you for mentioning Drone Safety Awareness Week. Uh, we are going to really highlight drone safety during the first annual um, National Drone Safety Awareness Week, which will be November 4th through 10th. And uh, we're partnering with two safety organizations, Uh, They're called Know Before You Fly and the UAS Safety Team. And uh, this is a a great opportunity for the drone community to help educate the public about drone safety. Uh, It'll highlight how key sectors are involving the public and spreading awareness about drone safety uh, across the entire uh, national airspace system. And we also want to engage with students and teachers about using drones um, in STEM education. And there's a a targeted audience uh, for each day. Uh, of the event. So I I think it'll be a really interesting event for everyone. Administrator Dixon, you're charged with uh, a serious role, uh, protecting our airspace and integration clearly on your priority list as well. A pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks so much for sharing your expertise. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I look forward to, uh, I know we'll have a big presence at this year's CES, Mm -hmm. and uh, we look forward to engaging and continuing the dialogue. And uh, hopefully, I I haven't checked my calendar that far out yet, but (laughs) hopefully I'll be able to to appear personally and uh, look forward to meeting everyone. Yeah, the invitation is outstanding, just to be clear. All right, thank you. (laughs) Pleasure to talk to you. Joining us now from southwestern Virginia and the campus of Virginia Tech is Mark Blanks. He is director of the Virginia Tech Mid-Atlantic Aviation Partnership. Mark, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on board today. So all of a sudden, Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, little corner of southwest Virginia, finds itself as one of the epicenters of drone testing. Uh, Give us an update on what you all have going on right now and, and how the heck you got there to the top of the... Top of the drone heap, so to speak. And so Southwest Virginia has been a a hub for unmanned aircraft or drone activity for the past several years. And now we're running a FAA-designated UAS test site or drone test site. We're also running a FAA integration pilot program, which is another testing program. And then we have a lot of research going on with NASA and other federal agencies. And that's really come about by just having a, a real strong support from our university, from the Commonwealth, uh, as well as a, a lot of talent at this campus to uh, really start putting together the team that could address some of these challenges. So if you could dive into that a bit, Mark, how do you assemble your team? And I know you're, I say, relatively new to the Virginia Tech program, but the tech program really has been on a national, nationally prominent level for, for just a few years. How do you find your way to Virginia Tech, and how does this program get to such prominence? Yeah, so I've been here at Virginia Tech for about four years, and uh, I, I came here through a around-the-country route. I um, started out in Tennessee and then was recruited out to Kansas State University. Uh, great program, great uh, place in Kansas. Uh, but then uh, the mountains were calling back here to Virginia Tech and <laughs> came here in uh, 2015. And uh, so our my background is as an aviation mechanic as well as a pilot. 
having been involved with a lot of different technology in flight tests uh, from the main aviation side uh, through getting the drones about 10 years ago now and really came to Virginia Tech because of the credibility that was already established here, a very well-known name. It was the start of a new test site program, a lot of great opportunity to, to build something. And when I moved here, there were five of us on board. Uh, I came in as the associate director and moved to director shortly thereafter. Uh, and our team now has grown. We probably have 20 to 30 people, depending on how you count us. Uh, we're doing all this great work. And Virginia Tech is an FAA-designated UAS test site, so you have government stamp of approval. And also, and this, this happened more recently, um, a select member of the UAS Integration Pilot Program. And I should say for everyone who's outside the DTC and federal government sector, UAS is uh, the acronym I know that FAA prefers for, for the drone sector. But it's this great relationship. You have a green light w- within boundaries uh, from the federal government to fly. I'd assume given your background um, and just rattling off a few cities where, where you've lived professionally, Tullahoma, Tennessee, Manhattan, Kansas, Blacksburg, Virginia, uh, the rural nature has, has got to be a boon too, right? To have that kind of uh, geographic space and atmosphere to work and test. Yeah, so local population densities are conducive to doing testing, although I will say that a lot of our testing now is about moving more into the urban environment, and that actually starts to be uh, a bit of a downside as we look for more populated areas. But it is a, is a great place to fly here. Uh, one, we have a, a green light by the FAA essentially to do testing with appropriate safety cases. It's not just that we can go fly and do anything we want. What we really have through those programs is a very collaborative relationship with the FAA, a two-way communication dialogue, support from their side and our side to build uh, together a safety case for each operation that can be shown to be safe. And that's that's really what that is about. It's not as much about just going out and flying. It's more about the relationship and showing how things can be done safely and doing research as needed to, to evaluate that. What are some of those case scenarios, Mark, that, that you could talk about and either are uh, in progress or you've made significant progress and are maybe wrapping up? We've got three big projects right now under our integration pilot program. Uh, the first is package delivery, where we're working with uh, Wing, which is a sister company of Google. The second is post-event damage assessment after, for example, after a disaster, working with an insurance company, in uh, this case State Farm. And then the third is doing linear infrastructure inspection on power lines uh, and to prevent um, power lines being damaged as well as uh, to recover from damage to them. And there we're working with Dominion Energy. A, a good way to overview, though, what we do, uh, I'll take State Farm as an example. We've been working with State Farm for about three years now they came to us already flying drones. They were already doing roof inspections one-on-one. They really wanted to go further and be able to, to assess large areas of damage after a major event. And instead, of, we didn't just have a green light to go fly. We had to build that safety case to get to that green light. And so we spent the next year and a half uh, doing research, collecting flight test data, and then proving to the FAA all the different risks and how they had been mitigated successfully to where they got uh, an approval uh, in December of last year to fly anywhere in the country over people and beyond line of sight for the purpose of doing damage assessment. 
that's really what we do with companies. We take them from an idea of how it can benefit their business through the safety process to get them the, the approval from the FAA at the end of the day. And probably the highest profile of those partnerships, Mark, has got to be with, with Google's Wing project, right? Um, not too long ago, uh, it just received approval for package delivery, right? Commercial package delivery over general population, beyond line of sight. And it's taken place just a little bit to the north of Blacksburg in Christiansburg. So I'm sure you're, you're deeply involved and, and, and quite curious about how, how that's progressing. Yeah, we have been working very closely with Wing for a number of years. They did their first test in the U.S. of uh, actually Prague's first test anywhere of delivering goods to people back in 2016. Here it was a very limited trial. It was not residential. It was actually on a, a campus facility. But, but yes, last week they launched the first ever residential drone delivery system where right now, uh, at this time, I could drive across town and order a, a package and have it delivered by drone uh, currently. So that, that has been launched. And that's really based upon a long-term relationship where we have worked with Wing, FA, and Virginia Tech, and the community especially, all together uh, talking through not only the safety aspects, but also the, the community aspects of how this will benefit community and how we might address any concerns that come up. Yes. And that's, it, not, didn't, it took a lot of work to get there. <laughs> yes, that's a great point, Mark. How do those conversations with the community go? Um, I assume it's a, it's a roundabout process of hearing concerns, uh, alleviating or, or, or mitigating doubts and, and unwarranted fears, and then presenting the use case scenarios and the benefits that, that, that really affect people's lives and uh, change them for the better. That's a, that's a pretty good summary. We really believe that the worst thing that we could do is introduce a new technology, especially one that interacts as closely with the public as drone delivery does without uh, sharing a lot of information and being very transparent about what's happening. That could create a lot of fear. And so as we gained the FAA approvals to do the actual operations, we really had to launch a community uh, engagement process because, you know, the FAA could approve it, but if the community rejects it, then we might as well uh, disappear and it will disappear. So we went out to the community, we went to festivals, to the mall, to, uh, to a food truck rodeo, to farmer's markets and other places and had public presences where people could stop in and ask us questions and we could respond to them. And quite frankly, you know, the, the community was just overwhelmingly supportive and positive. Mm -hmm. And those that did have concerns, once we explained the technology and how we would do this, they were uh, very much relieved and very happy to see it coming to a small town in Southwest Virginia. Mm -hmm. Well, a as you said earlier, Mark, uh, a rural area is ideal for testing, certainly. Um, just given the, the low population density. But it seems like that's also representative of a large part of the country, and you can extrapolate that across the world, certainly, but where immediate delivery is critical, and drones can enable this when we're talking about emergency situations, uh, medical supplies that uh, are, are in immediate need, or, or even remote areas where it might be a two-and-a-half-hour drive up and over a mountain or across, you know, tough to navigate roads where drones can get people what they need when they need it much more quickly and efficiently. Absolutely. I, I will note though, that when we're doing these deliveries in Christiansburg, it's actually more like suburbia America mm -hmm. than it is rural environment. We're, mm -hmm. we're delivering to 
subdivisions that have hundreds and hundreds of homes in them. So if you look at the amount of suburbia America across the country, you you could probably capture, you know, some very large percentage portion of the population with exactly what we're doing in Christiansburg. We have done tests in even more rural areas uh, where actually where I live, which is quite a ways out of town. Um, But the, the, value benefit is beyond just long distance flights. It's also, I've got a sick kid who feels horrible and I don't want to get put him in the car because I got to go get medicine at the store. Now it can come to me in less than 10 minutes. And we've seen that deliveries that would take, or even a car drive that would take 20 minutes. We've seen happen in three minutes uh, by aircraft. So it's, quite amazing. So when you run through your partners there at Virginia Tech, Mark, and and Google uh, seems like an obvious connection, right? An innovative tech company that wants to get into this space, and and I would add is in this space. But then you look at the other two partners, uh, uh, an insurance company that's well-known, and then a regional power provider. So the insurance sector, the energy sector, um, obvious beneficiaries of drones once you delve into the use cases. What's another sector that you want to partnership, a sector that you really see uh, benefits coming from from the use and understanding and application of drone technology? Well, this is one of those things where you could literally name an industry and probably find a great use case for drones. There, there, there's certainly no cure-all. Uh, and then I want to be very clear that they are a new tool in the toolbox. Uh, for many, many, many industries, they, they bring great value. I personally have been very passionate about the surveying and mapping industry because of how many different people it affects. But that industry has actually adopted this technology uh, quite well. Uh, so as far as one that is a, a new uh, or novel use case, might need a few more minutes to think about one that I would particularly choose to highlight. Mm-hmm. But I will know that we, we, just, we find that there are the number of possible benefits uh, are just unbelievable. And there you can just imagine some of the use cases we've heard, uh, but it's even some of the ones that are not as uh, well known are actually some of the most valuable ones. And I think uh, I mentioned surveying, land surveying and you know, assessment of property is incredibly easy to do with, with a drone and quick. Uh, think about clearing traffic jams, you know, doing an accident, accident investigation, mm-hmm. That, you know, if you can take, if you could reduce uh, a crash on I-66 going into D.C. by 30 minutes, you could save probably millions of dollars of people's time uh, that might be stuck in that traffic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And that's someone who knows D.C. area traffic, speaking uh, <laughs> from an expert perspective, yeah. Mark. No question. <laughs> um, look, before you roll, I can't believe you haven't been out to CES. What do we need to do to get you out here, huh? You know, make me a home there. I'll be there. <laughs> I think actually Virginia Tech is going to, we're going to have a booth there, but it's uh, our transportation institute uh, does a lot of automated ground vehicles work. And we might just need to partner with them and see if we can make it out there ourselves. We'd love to see the show. <laughs> I love it. Mark Blanks is director of the Virginia Tech Mid-Atlantic Aviation Partnership. He is a pilot, a mechanic, and clearly a drone enthusiast and really on the cutting edge of the research that's taking place around the country right now. Mark, pleasure to for your time, and let's keep this conversation going next year, all right? All right. Sounds great to me. Thanks. All right. Awesome conversation about drones. And coming up next time on CES Tech Talk, a cool and emerging and maybe you'd say exponential growth potential area, that is gaming 
and esports. Professional leagues are taking off, gamers are growing in numbers, and the technology involved is better than ever, as is the connectivity. All of that is coming up on our next edition of CES Tech Talk. We are here to help you get CES ready, so do yourself and do us a favor. Subscribe to the CES Tech Talk podcast. That way, you won't miss a single episode as we're prepping you up for CES 2020. Speaking of, the big show is January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. The information you need is at ces.tech. That is ces.tech. As always, none of this would be possible without the true superstars of this podcast. Our executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.